Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod writing all the founding fathers of the U.S. from uh, Andrew Adams to George Wythe. <laughs> from, uh... uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot the person there for a minute. I was a John Adams. I'm Cody. I'm David. And today we are uh, diving into the storied life of William Blunt. Oh, Blunt yep. Man. Yep. Like from, uh... James Bob, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no, no no chronic shows up here. But, okay, well, yeah. it's disappointing, but but uh, yeah, William Blunt. Uh, looks if you're Google, it looks like Blount, B L O U N T, but it's pronounced Blunt. Oh, so, so. it's like uh, the French spelling of Blunt. Sure. <laughs> oh, Blunt man, born on March 29th, 1749, in Bertie County, North Carolina, the eldest child of Jacob and Barbara Blunt. His family had risen to prominence in the first half of the 19th century. Uh, his father built a plantation, Blunt Hall, shortly after William's birth. <laughs> yeah. It's... Blunt Hall. Yeah. Was it built on 420? <laughs> <laughs> it was a, what, my, I mean, they may have grown hemp. Uh, oh, that's I mean, true. I, I, I mean, George Washington grew hemp. That's true. Uh, yeah, no, token up a little bit down <laughs> south. Uh, he had little formal uh, uh, education, but he was involved in his father's business ventures. Let's just say it was pot from an early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, he joined the North Carolina militia as the regimental paymaster okay. in May 1776. So he's the guy responsible for responsible for doling out the pay to all the soldiers oh, so he's yeah. either very popular individual or very hated individual yeah right uh he married mary granger in 1778 uh, he would go on to have six surviving children with her mm. he helped organize the unsuccessful defense of charleston south carolina in early 1780 uh, the british try to pursue a southern strategy towards the end of the war uh, and it, it initially works out but in the end uh, you get Yorktown, and they get defeated, so right. Indian doesn't work out. Yeah. Uh, he joined General Horatio Gates' army as his quartermaster. In the chaos after the disastrous Battle of Camden in August 1780, Blunt, uh, he was fleeing, and lost several thousand dollars worth of soldiers' pay. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. What, did he just drop it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Good job, guy. Yep. Uh, he joined the North Carolina legislature in January 1781. Uh, he was elected to the Confederation Congress in May 1782, serving until the following April. But, you know, of course, by, a lot of times when they were in the National Congress uh, during the 1780s, they would also be still in the state legislature. It's like double dipping a little bit. And now I'm going to take a little aside here. Uh-oh. Anything I tell you from this point, there are going to be some things I tell you that you're like, oh, that's a good thing. Never at any point ascribe any selfless motivations to this man. Okay. Everything he does is in his own self-interest. Wow. Okay, good to know. So he's a good guy. Sure. <laughs> good at some things. So just just keep that in the back of your mind. Okay, I'll keep it I'll so. keep it back here. Uh, he sponsored uh, sponsored <laughs> sponsored several bills that would prove crucial in the early history of Tennessee, which was part of North Carolina at this time. Think, think of Tennessee, I think it's like it's like just on the same like level as North Carolina. Yeah. It was actually part of North Carolina at this time. Kinda like how West Virginia, Kentucky were part of Virginia. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh kind of same same thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Um but there were like there weren't anywhere near as many people there. It wasn't as developed. Uh, he was reelected to the Confederation Congress in 1785, but delayed taking his seat until March 1786 because he wanted to try and stop uh, what are called the Hopewell Treaties, okay. uh, which were some treaties that the federal government uh, did with uh, several Native American tribes in the South, like the Cherokee, Creek, Choctaw, to kind of set the land boundaries with them. Okay. And he wanted to stop those. And we'll get into why he wanted to stop those later. Uh-oh. But just keep in mind, you know, it's like he's not, not always on the up and up. Okay. A <laughs> little, little teaser for later. All right. Uh, he was chosen as a delegate to the Constitutional Convention in March 1787, but he did not arrive until June 20th, over a month after the convention had begun. Okay. But he only stayed for a few days before leaving for Congress, in Phil- uh, Congress which at the time was uh, in New York, Okay. Uh, where he participated in debates over the Northwest Ordinance, okay. which was important to, like, you know, the history of our state. Sure, yeah. We live in Ohio. Um, uh, but he returned to the convention in August, and he very hesitantly signed the Constitution in September. <laughs> 
So he signs it, but he wasn't there for long. He's there for a few days in June and like maybe a few weeks in September and August. Okay. He didn't really take part in any debates. Okay. Yeah, but he signs it, so that's why he's in an episode, and I'm really glad he does get an episode. Uh, he went home to North Carolina where he campaigned for ratification, uh, which finally uh, was achieved in November 1789, over two years after the Constitution was submitted to the states. Okay. So it takes North Carolina a little while to get there. Yeah, I mean, le- so, hey, at least he did that. Yeah, so there's uh, that. they become the 12th state. Uh, he wanted to be appointed one of North Carolina's first two U.S. Senators, uh, but he was rebuffed. Hmm. They said no. No. No, no, no. Now, at this time, North Carolina had ceded its western lands, what would be today Tennessee, to the federal government. Uh, because at the like, under the Articles of Confederation, um, the federal government couldn't, like, enforce taxes. It was basically just, like, asking the states for money and hoping <laughs> the states would give them the money. Please, money, please, sir. And so North Carolina was like, how about we give them this territory that we don't get much from in lieu of our tax responsibilities? Okay. And the federal government was like, all right, that's fine. Sure. Yeah, whatever. That's good. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Blunt uh, lobbied President Washington to appoint him the territorial governor of these western lands, which were called the Southwest Territory. Okay. A- and Washington follows through. He appoints Blunt as governor in June 1790. He's now a territorial governor. Uh, while initially skeptical of Blunt, seeing him as an eastern elite, uh, the locals were quickly won over because Blunt would just, he would fill his, uh, the administrative roles with locals. He wouldn't, like, bring in people from, like, from North Carolina. Smart. Outside. He would, he, he'd appoint a bunch of local Tennesseans. Uh, That's including, smart thinking. Including, as a judge, a very young Andrew Jackson. Wow. Which we yes. all know about him. Yep. <laughs> Uh, in December 1790, he chose Knoxville as the territorial capital. It okay. obviously wouldn't remain that, because right. you know, Nashville is the capital today. And he named Knoxville after Secretary of War Henry Knox. Oh. So. We've been friends. Uh, between 1791 and 1794, Blunt negotiated treaties with local Native American tribes, but he didn't do much to stop militias from attacking them. Okay. Yeah, which... Okay. Uh, but beginning in 1794, he began taking steps to start the statehood process, such as ordering a census and establishing a legislature. Nice. This culminated in the Southwest Territory's admission as Tennessee on May 31st, 1796. Dang. And Blunt was chosen as one of the state's first two U.S. senators. So now he's in the Senate. Yay. He doesn't last there long, uh, less than a year. Mm. His term ends in July 1797, and we'll get into why it ends later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh boy, you can't wait to get these articles of I impeachment. No. Uh, he returned to Tennessee uh, and was elected to the state senate and quickly rose to become its speaker. So now, head of the Tennessee Senate. Dang. But it, uh, that doesn't last long. Uh, an epidemic swept through Knoxville and Blunt died on March 21st, 1800 at age 50. Dang. So uh, an epidemic, some kind of illness got him, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So. Dang. That's a little, little biography on Blunt. Do you have any idea what, what the illness was? Or? I can't remember if it was smallpox or... So I, I, I couldn't find like what the specifics were on it. But Jeez, okay. I mean, 1800. It could be any, any number of things. Right. So, uh, All right. So that's uh, Blunt. Uh, let's get to the categories. <laughs> Perpetual Union. Yeah. What influence do they have on the founding documents? Well, as I mentioned... He was only present for two short periods during the Constitutional Convention, and no record exists of him participating in debate. Now, James Madison, that we all know, uh, he took extensive notes during the convention. Good for him. And this is from a quote uh, when it came time for Blunt to sign the Constitution. James, uh, just from Madison. Blunt, quote, declared that he would not sign so as to pledge himself in support of the plan, but he was relieved by the form proposed and would, without committing himself, Attest to the fact that the plan was the unanimous act of the states in the convention, end quote. Essentially, <laughs> he only signed it because everybody else did. Yeah, right. He was just like, you know what? Everybody else it's is like, doing it. <laughs> I don't want to do It's like he's trying to play both sides yeah. of the fence. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm not really for it, but I'll sign it just so everybody is unified. Uh, yeah. He's trying to be real political about it. Yeah, like, you know, if it ever came back on him, he'd be like, listen, I was against it. I, I just signed it yeah. because I had to. Exactly. But he did support ratification um, in the North Carolina legislature. And as I mentioned, 
takes North Carolina a little while. They hold a convention in July 1788, but what's called the Anti-Federalist Faction, which those are people opposed to the Constitution, they are in the majority. Oh. And they, will, they're like, we are not going to vote for it unless it has a Bill of Rights. Fair. And, th- and this was a kind of a qualifier that a lot of, especially a lot of the later states who ratified it were like, We'll ratify it so long as there's a Bill of Rights at some point. Or yeah. we're not going to, or like, that, that was a big thing. Like, I a mean, lot of people wanted a Bill of Rights in it, because initially it didn't have one. Right. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but by this point, later on, like, you know, the requisite nine states ratified. So it does go into force. So North Carolina's, like, kind of in this limbo for about a year. Mm-hmm. By November 1789, the, there's been a Bill of Rights proposed. It's been submitted to the states uh, the previous September, and it's going through the ratification process. I'm like, you know what? That's good enough for us. A lot of people in North Carolina, they kind of shift, and they finally ratify the Constitution. Okay. So, and he was part of the Federalist faction. Like, he was one of them. Like, even in the previous convention, was like, we should ratify this. Okay. We should ratify this. That's good. So, didn't do much. It really did nothing during the convention. He was barely there. Yeah. Kind of like many of the people of the Articles of Confederation mm-hmm. showed up and signed it. Yeah. And he was pushing for ratification back home. Okay. So that is a little more than some of the others. Some of the yeah. others literally just sh- showed yeah. up and signed it and left. Yeah. And didn't do anything else besides that. So I'm going to give him a one. Yeah, I'm going to match it with a one. Yeah. I don't feel like that's it's, right. It's not nothing. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, one <laughs> on a one. That's a two for perpetual union we the people this one's a little more meaty Uh, as i mentioned he served in administrative roles in north carolina militia during the revolution uh served a couple terms of confederation congress he pushed for land grants for soldiers in what is today tennessee okay uh, and advocated for the for north carolina to give the what is uh, tennessee to the federal government okay he was appointed governor of that territory and was responsible for like prepping it for statehood, like getting these, yeah. getting the infra, like the administrative infrastructure ready. I mean, that's like, a pretty big deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, um, named the city of Knoxville. That's another big deal. <laughs> uh, negotiated the Treaty of Holston with the Cherokee in 1791, which set the terms of the relationship between the federal government and the Cherokee. Basically saying, like, the Cherokee are essentially a protectorate of the U.S. Okay, okay. Uh, elected one of Tennessee's first senators, uh, and then later served in the te- Tennessee Senate. I know, that's kind of a lot. And yeah, also, yeah, like... Especially, like, setting up Tennessee for statehood. Now, uh, granted, big... it's something like whoever was in that job was going to be able to do it. Because ten- it was kind of already close to statehood. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about him specifically, so we are, yeah. So I, I, I would, I would give him a solid score for for that. I mean, much of the yeah. other stuff was like it's out of ten, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's. A, I mean, the other stuff was you know okay. I mean, the treaty with the Cherokee is pretty good too. I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna give him a seven. Seven. Yeah. Okay. How much of Tennessee is shaped by this man? A I mean, decent amount. Yeah, it's like you could say like he was the one responsible for shepherding it towards statehood. Uh, Named one of the biggest cities in Tennessee. In Nashville, yeah. Uh, in Tennessee. Yeah, I, I've got a match or seven. Oh, yeah. look at that. Because like that, that's all pretty important stuff. Yeah. Uh, so seven to seven, that's a 14 for We the People. Now. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is what you've been waiting for. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> got pages worth. I'll, oh, I do. Articles of impeachment. How scandalous were they? And who, boy? Scandal man? Oh. Was Blunt Man so real bad? <laughs> scandalous. Oh, boy. Like, uh, our listeners, typically, articles of impeachment, I may have a few lines typed up. Mm-hmm. I have three pages. Let's get to it. Yeah. Let's hear it. Okay. His 1779 state legislature campaign against Richard Spate who we will also be doing an episode on later on, oh. was, quote, violent in an age of fierce elections, end quote. Jeez. Oh, Blunt managed to convince officials that massive voter fraud took place and the election was voided. Wow. 
Sounds like somebody I know. That's not the last time you'll be able to make that comparison. Oh, no. Yeah. And and you'll you'll learn that this guy, he's kind of got a little bit of a silver tongue. Okay. So, Like somebody else. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. (laughs) Uh, While paymaster of the militia. I told you he lost some money. Yeah, he dropped it. He lost $300,000. Oh, my God. That's a lot of money. That's the pay for the whole army for quite a while. How did he... Did he steal it, or did he just drop it on a battlefield somewhere? All I could find is that he lost it. Wow. If he embezzled it, I would not put it past him. Oh, geez. Uh, of course, enslaved several people. Yeah, well. Uh, 1797, and the records show 26. Yep. Now, the thing he's known for, it's called the Blunt Conspiracy. <laughs> yes, it is. It's gotta be. I gotta give you some background on, like, kind of like where he was coming from with it so american merchants and farmers in the west of the country they relied on the mississippi river to move their goods to market because there's no like real road system at this time so like going overland was like it was tedious it was time consuming it was dangerous Mm -hmm. so it was much easier to just you know get your stuff to the mississippi put it on a barge go through new orleans around florida and up to the eastern ports sure So it's much, much easier to do that. So the Western merchants and farmers, they relied heavily on the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Now, the U.S. does not control uh, the Louisiana Territory at this point. Mm. Like, like the U.S. border ends at the Mississippi. Okay. So at this time, the Spanish, they control Louisiana and New Orleans. Okay. And the Spanish, it's like, yeah, we may not have the best relationship with them, but they're perfectly fine collecting customs fees on everything that goes through New Orleans. Of course, yeah. So... They're not really going to screw with that, um, with that moneymaker, mm-hmm. especially because Spain at this time is kind of seen, even though it still has like large amounts of colonies, it's kind of seen as a has-been power. <laughs> okay. it, like it's it was nowhere near as powerful as it was like a century prior to this. Sure. Now at this time, early early mid 1790s, France was deep in the throes of the French Revolution. And was at war with practically every European power, including Spain. Uh, and relations with the U.S., between the U.S. and revolutionary France, they were also frosty because we didn't, like, we weren't going to help them in these wars because it's like we were totally inequipped yeah, right. to do so. Well, we had just gotten out of our own war. Exactly. Like, what we were supposed it's to like do. We were having trouble defeating a few Native American tribes in Ohio. We weren't going to be able to take on the British. No. no, Yeah, no. Yeah, so not going to happen. Yeah. And also, uh, some of these uh, French agents have been trying to recruit Americans to come over and fight. Like uh, the whole Citizen Genet thing, which is a whole thing in like the 1790s. Like, uh, look look it up. It's an interesting uh, incident. But point being, relations between the U.S. and France, not great. Uh, Spain was losing their war to France. And Western merchants feared that if Spain were to lose, it might have to uh, give Louisiana back to France. Because mm-hmm. it was originally France, or sure. French territory. They gave it to the Spanish in 1762. These merchants are afraid, oh, they may get Louisiana and New Orleans back. And France may close New Orleans to American shipping. Ooh, that'd be bad. Which would utterly ruin French everybody who lived in the West. Any kind of commerce going through there. Yes. So. Dang. Dang. A lot of these fears led to tensions along the Mississippi with some people calling for the U.S. government to just go in and take Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Or uh, take Louisiana, I mean. Uh, take New Orleans by force, if necessary. Sure, yeah. In response, Congress passed the Neutrality Act of 1794, which specifically forbade any force to be organized on American soil with the express purpose of taking foreign territory. Mm-hmm. So you can't just form your own militia and go take a territory. <laughs> right. That is now illegal. Don't do that. We shouldn't have to spell this out, but that is illegal. These worries about France also led to a massive decline in land values in the West, crashing the market. Oops. Because a lot of people in this time were engaged in land speculation. Of course, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You had so much going West, so... Yeah, you and you have so much territory that... There's just so much land. So much land. I mean, George Washington was a land speculator. Uh, he owned thousands of acres of land in the West. Uh, uh, because, like, 
might get people migrating that way. Mm-hmm. There may be resources out there. You might be able to collect rent mm-hmm. uh, or, or what have you. Point being, you might be able to make some money uh-huh. over money. off nothing, really. Yep. And a lot of these land speculators, they bought their land on credit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh-oh, now we're getting to the meat and potatoes. Which is why, like, when the market crashes, a big deal. Because now all these loans are being called in, they can't, people can't pay up. People like William Blunt Uh-oh. and his brothers, who by 1795 held approximately 2.5 million acres of land. Jeez. Much of it on credit. Blunt's desire for Western lands and his greed to enrich himself was what had led him to lobby Washington to appoint him governor. And he did, he never lobbied Washington directly. He got other people. He put, like, you know, earworms. And like, hey, mate, yeah, I'd be good for governor. Maybe you go tell George that. Yeah, I mean, I might be, I might be all right. And Washington, <laughs> you know, he's got all these people telling him, hey, how about Blunt? Pick Blunt, 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 Blunt. Uh, Washington's like, okay, maybe this Blunt's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, right. Maybe I'll appoint him. Or maybe he's capable, at least. You know, not a good guy. Maybe he's capable, at least. I'll point him. So he does. Look at this. And, of course, Blunt, territorial governor. There's no legislature this time. He basically, he gets to pick all of the officers of the territory, all the judges, all the administrative roles, all the county sheriffs, all these roles he can handpick. And now those people owe their jobs to him. I see where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. And now, do you remember when I told you he attempted to foil the signing of those Hopewell treaties in the 1780s? Right, yep. He had done so because it would have affected available lands. Because these treaties define the borders between the United States, according to the U.S., this was all U.S. territory, but, like, what lands were held by these Native American tribes. Okay. Which reduced the amount of available land. Wow. So he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. This, I, I can't buy that then. Yeah. And it's funny about those. He like got to where they're, because they were negotiating like in South Carolina. He got there as fast as he could, but arrived too late for to, for, to prevent the signing. So he got himself elected to Congress in March 1786 and got tried to get to New York as fast as he could, but arrived too late to vote against the ratification of it. <laughs> Jeez. So he's like trying, but like he's just showing up late. This guy. He's greedy. Yeah, and while he was governor, back to or fast forward back when he's governor, that treaty of uh, Holston, they negotiates with the Cherokee. It defines you know the relationship between the two. It also very aggressively takes Cherokee land, and this is from the Cherokee leader Ninatuya. Quote: We objected to giving up so much land, but for the sake of peace and quietness, we did it. End quote. Mm. Basically, they felt threatened into it, mm-hmm. a lot yeah. because of Blunt's aggressiveness. Wow. And the federal government even was like, okay, he went a bit far. We're going to give you more money because that was more than we were going for with this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The federal government was like, hey, sorry about that. Yes. Here's some money. <laughs> uh, the Creek people gave Blunt a nickname, Fushimiko, meaning Dirt King. <laughs> Because he loves dirt. He loves land. <laughs> and and also at this time, there are inst- like a, a lot of people in ten- like Tennessee, Kentucky, a lot of people live out the West. They are typically more aggressive with an outlook towards the Native American tribes than people in like, you know, New York mm. or Boston. You know, sure. Because, you know. They didn't really have contact with them. Yeah. A lot of times, when the federal government would be would be like a more moderating influence, or not, or seen as not pushing hard enough against the Native American tribes, a lot of these people, all these locals, would be resentful of it. Mm. Like you're not going hard enough, right. which is why, like you, you have like just militias pop up and form to go attack these people because right. they felt, well, we're doing what the federal government isn't doing. Right, right. So just keep in mind that that attitude is also there. Blunt's time in the U.S. Senate would prove the most scandalous of all. Because when the value of land collapsed, his financial situation was very precarious. He only avoided a debtor's prison because he was U.S. Senator. A debtor's prison? Yes, this is back when debtor's prisons were a thing. Right, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's just crazy that, wow. Yeah. He was in that much debt? 2.5 million acres of land. And a lot of it on credit. Man. 
can only imagine how much money that was. Blunt entered into a conspiracy with his confidant, John Chisholm, a local Indian agent. Chisholm had been lobbying the British government to intervene in Florida, which was also Spanish territory, uh, to prevent it from falling into French hands. Blunt became a part of the plan, proposing to rally Native Americans and local militias into attacking not only Florida, but Louisiana as well. (laughs) In return for their support, Florida and Louisiana would be handed over to the British with the provision that New Orleans be open to American goods as a free port. What? Basically, the plan Blunt wants to do is get like, okay, I'll get some militia and some some Native Americans who are loyal to me. We'll, we'll get them to attack Florida and Louisiana. British, you come in with the naval support <laughs> and, and additional troops. And in return... You can have Florida and Louisiana. You can have them for your own. But New Orleans, like we still, like the American shipping still gets to go through it, and we don't have to pay any more customs fees. Wow. That's his motivation because that's going to drive up land values in the West. Right. Because now you don't, you don't even have to pay the customs fees anymore. Right. You can ship your stuff for free. Dang. So that's going to make more people move out West and ergo the more land more valuable money. and. Oh, look who owns all this land. Me, William Blunt. <laughs> the, the best. The Bluntman. Yep. I'm here with all my land. I'm the Dirt King. Yep. <laughs> the Dirt King. That sounds like like one of those like, lame TV commercials, like the Mattress King or, yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, they that, probably... Wasn't that like a Portlandia? The one that, one that Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like the Mattress King. Yeah. No, the uh, Pullout King. A uh, Pullout King. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, but yeah, the... Uh, I'm I'm sure the Native Americans didn't give him that name, you know, because they liked him. Uh, so. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. No. That was definitely like a, kind of like a F you. Yeah. Blunt began recruiting others into the scheme. Now remember, this is all illegal, because remember that Neutrality Act, you can't form militias to go take territory. That's right. So That's right. this is all illegal. And this is while he's a U.S. senator. His downfall would come in an April 1797 letter to his friend James Carey. In the letter, he stated, quote, a man of consequence has gone to England about the business, and if he makes the arrangements as he expects, I shall myself have a hand in the business, and probably shall be at the head of the business on the part of the British, end quote. He wrote this down. I'm a traitor, <laughs> basically. He also stated that Carey must, quote, take care in whatever you say to anybody, not to let the plan be discovered by any person <laughs> in the interest of the United States or Spain. You don't think quote. anybody's going to see this letter, man? Come on. Well, he thinks this guy is his friend. Right. Come on. He was wrong to trust him with this information. No. Kerry gave the letter to a government agent who passed it up the chain until it reached, in June 1797, the desk of President John Adams. Oh, <laughs> really? What do you say about it? Adams, alarmed by the letter, consulted with the Secretary of State, Timothy Pickering, and the Attorney General, Charles Lee. Are we are we about to be at war with Britain again? Because that's not good. Yeah. Uh, Pickering inquired about the plot to the British ambassador who denied any involvement, and it's likely that they didn't strenuously object, but also just like we this is kinda hair this is like a harebrained scheme. We don't have anything to do with this. Yeah. Like e- like even if they were told of it or word had gotten to them of it or like the proposal, it's like they probably would have said no. It's right. like they had bigger things on their plate. Like, Mm -hmm. the war against France and Europe. (laughs) Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. probably, yeah, probably not anything to that. But uh, Lee advised Adams that Blunt had violated the Neutrality Act and recommended impeachment. Oh, time to impeach. Adams also consulted George Washington, who was in retirement at Mount Vernon at this time, who said, quote, the intercepted letter, of which you were at the trouble to send me a copy, if genuine, is really an abomination, disgraceful to the author, and to be regretted that among us, a man in high trust and a responsible station should be found so debased in his principles as to write it. I hope the original letter, if it carries the marks of genuineness, has been carefully preserved and forwarded to the proper departments, that the person guilty of such atrocious conduct may be held to public view in the light he ought to be considered by every honest man and a friend to his country. End quote. Uh, so, not good. No. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> On July 3rd, the letter was sent to Congress. It was read aloud in the Senate <laughs> while Blunt was out for a walk. 
<laughs> I could just see him walking back in, like everybody staring at him. He's like, what? 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 You're not <laughs> far off. He walks in to like, everybody's like arguing. He walks in. I, I could just see it now. He walks in, dead silence. Because then he comes in. Uh-huh. The clerk of the Senate reads the letter again while Blunt is standing there. <laughs> and I can just see him just be just standing there and just be like, oh, no. <laughs> not uh, not uh, that letter. Why just that like, one? Just, like, just start sweating because this is July in Philadelphia. He was already, He's already sweating. probably sweating. He's probably just like just buckets. He's just probably like, just like peed a little bit. Even. Probably. Probably <laughs> put on the floor. And now Thomas Jefferson is there because he's vice president and president of the Senate. He's presiding over it. He kind of he asked Blunt like, "Did you did you write this letter? Is this yours?" And Blunt was like, "Well, I I, I know I sent it as a reenactment, <laughs> hypothetical reenactment. It's like I I I know I sent a letter to him around that date. I don't know if that is the exact wording of the letter. Um, uh, let me check my own records. Can I have a day?" <laughs> And Jefferson just kind of sheepishly grants it to him. So on July 4th, the next day, Blunt refused uh, refused to return to the Senate and requested more time. Uh, the Senate refused and formed a committee to investigate the matter further. On July 8th, the House began an impeachment inquiry, because that's where it has to originate. Mm-hmm. But the Senate wasted no time and voted 25 to 1 to expel Blunt from the Senate. Wow. With that, William Blunt became the first person ever expelled by Congress, ever expelled from Congress. Oh wow! Of the over twelve thousand people who have served in Congress over American history, over only twenty have ever been expelled. And he's seventeen w- of them for the Civil War. Oh, Jiminy Christmas! So, so he's he- one of only three to really be expelled for a like a personal scandal. Wow, well, that was a pretty big one, though. Yeah, the last person to be expelled was in two thousand two. Oh, who? <laughs> James Trafficant from our lovely state of Ohio. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, he got hit. It was like financial scandal. Like he was horribly corrupt. But he got his in the end. I think it was like a few years ago. Uh, he was killed like when his like uh, during a tractor accident on his farm. His he got like, got like run over by his tractor or something. Oh, holy crap! Okay. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Was that it? Well, there's more. Oh God, oh Lord. Uh, Blunt, who had been detained because he broke the law. Uh, he posted bail, but he jumped bail and went back to Tennessee. Uh-huh. Now remember, they love him in Tennessee. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, because he appointed everybody. Yep. The Senate Sergeant-at-Arms attempted to apprehend Blunt and return him to Philadelphia. Because the, like, the Sergeant-at-Arms, like, like, each chamber has a Sergeant-at-Arms, and they have the power, like, if the Senate compels them to, they can forcibly bring somebody back. Sure. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but no one in Knoxville was willing to arrest him. Yeah, because they all loved him. Yep. That's why he went back to Tennessee, obviously. Yep. Uh, the House proceeded with impeachment proceedings for the rest of 1797 to 98, eventually voting to impeach. Uh, the Senate, however, dismissed the charges in January 1799, citing the technicality that Blunt was no longer in office. Hmm. Does that sound familiar at all? Oh. A recent impeachment? Mm-hmm. Because that was the logic that many people who voted to acquit Donald Trump in 2021 used. Well, he's no longer in office. Wow. And that's only ha- that, that situation's only happened three times, and this is the first of those three times. So this was cited as precedent. Wow. Oh. <laughs> and, and, it, and, of course, the Constitution, it's like a decade old at this point, so they're still kind of work out like the gray areas. And it, I, there's never been an impeachment of a member of Congress since this point, because there's not really a point, mm-hmm. especially in the Senate, because it, because to expel a person from the Senate, you require a two-thirds vote of that chamber, and just that chamber. Right. An impeachment requires both chambers, so like it let's like in this situation, having the House do impeachment um, proceedings is kind of pointless because. It would take a two-thirds vote to remove him from the Senate. As from the Senate's point of view, it's like, well, why don't we just go ahead and vote to expel him? Right. Yeah. yeah so there's no point to having an impeachment impeachment process for a senator. Right. Well, yeah, so, makes sense. Yeah. And there's never been one against a senator since then. So it's like, kind of worked out. Like, okay, well, this 
it's kind of pointless to do. Right. We'll just we'll just <laughs> we'll just expel them. Yeah. So I mean, which is I mean, this you know works out. You know, like okay, well, this is how this should work. This is how this should work. So yeah. Blunt was replaced in the Senate by one of his proteges, a young Andrew Jackson. Mmm, that guy. While he was a national pariah, Blunt remained popular in Tennessee as he was seen as having push, been pushing for the interests of the state. Because remember, all these Western merchants and farmers, they want more land. Yeah. They want expansion. Sure. Yeah. So. That's where the money is. Yeah. And even though, like, those territories go to the British, like, hey, I mean, we didn't own those territories before. Right. So that doesn't exactly matter. Us. Yeah. And after this, we wouldn't have to pay any customs fees anymore. Boom. So we're actually in a better shape yeah, than we so were before. This so guy's, he's fine. Yeah, he's, he's, he's our boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after being elected to the state Senate and quickly appointed speaker, he used his position to harass federal commissioners who had been sent to treat with local Native American tribes. Because, like, he doesn't want them interfering with land. Right, of course. Uh, and he pushed for the impeachment of a local judge who had ruled against him in a libel trial, mm-hmm. uh, calling the judge, quote, a meddling blockhead, end quote. <laughs> the judge was impeached, but he was not removed from office. That sounds like a mean tweet from Donald Trump. He's a, does. He's a blockhead. <laughs> a meddling blockhead. Oh, the wow. lack of, and, and kind of more ser- uh, somberly, the lack of any real consequences for Blunt, because he, he never facing because he dies not long after this he never goes to jail yeah he's still popular in his home still in the freaking legislature the lack of any real consequences um it emboldened further actions to kind of take native land okay because it was like well he got off scot-free so maybe i will too wow okay or i'll just try i'll you know maneuver things in the government to be like where politically they can't come after me really jeez so and this really kind of, like, showed the impotence of the federal government at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, they couldn't get anybody there to arrest him. Traveling there would be an issue because it's, like, it's hard to get to, like, back and forth. <laughs> right. It's in the mountains. There's a Are lot of mountains Are you going to, like, send an army to go get this guy? No. No. It's one guy. Yeah. So. And he's kind of older today, by then. I mean, today you'd have, like, you know, five or six federal marshals show up and be like, yeah. come with us at yeah. gunpoint. But back then, not really. Yeah, so that is that is articles of impeachment. Oh my lord, <laughs> Jiminy Christmas! What, uh, that was a lot of. What a, do you want to give him? I'm giving him a ten. I yeah. I'm that, giving him that, a ten. That that's that was my. That's too much. Exactly. That's too much, man. Because <laughs> I mean, I feel like he was literally impeached. Yeah. He should get max in the articles of impeachment. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, also slaves. He owned slaves. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't forget, he was a slave owner and all that. Yeah. In fact, that's just like a footnote. And he kept tr- he kept messing with the Native American treaties, which is another yeah. thing. He it's lost like, all that pay. Maybe he embezzled it. He might have embezzled. <laughs> yeah. uh, pay for soldiers. A lot of land he had may have been from like stolen, like soldier pay. Wow, funds. that's absolutely a possibility. <laughs> Yeah, this yep. guy was a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to agree with it. Yeah, a 10 uh, would be the correct score for this guy. So yeah. a 10 out of 10, that is a perfect score, <laughs> uh, 20 out of 20 for articles of impeachment. By far the highest we've ever had. Mm-hmm. The most we had was 14 from Carter Braxton. That's guy who owned the chariot we decided was oh, riding yeah. his chariot around his uh, plantation, whipping his enslaved people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this that, guy. Um, this guy. Want to know what he looks like? Well, what the is whites it? of their eyes? <laughs> Let's see him. Let's see this son of a bee. This this devil. Ooh, he's very he's very um soft looking. <laughs> yeah, he's very pale. He's got on a little black jacket there. I mean, looks like anybody from that time period. Yeah, he looks very young, really. I wonder when that was t- when that was. Uh, well, this, this was a uh, this portrait was done after he died, so maybe like uh, but like maybe based on contemporary images of him. Maybe yeah. I mean, he looks just like a he looks like a dude. Like there's nothing like he, he doesn't have that look of like wow Mischief. that guy looks like a scumbag. <laughs> he kind of looks like a soft aristocrat, you know. Yeah, which I mean, in a lot of ways, he kind of he kind of was. Um, what do you want to give him? Oh, it's a decent portrait. I'd give it a two and a half. Two and a half. No pizzazz, you know. Yeah, it, it's kind of boring. Yeah, he does look. He looks very like 
boyish. Very, and he's very pale. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to match a two and a half. Uh, so that's a five out of ten for the whites of their eyes. Mm. Something else we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do going forward. Uh, there's two famous portraits. Uh, well, you can look these up if you want. Um, You've probably seen them. I mean, they're, yeah. they're really famous, especially yeah. for America. Yeah. Uh, one is John Trumbull's 1818 portrait, Declaration of Independence. that shows the Committee of Five presenting the Declaration to the Continental Congress. And the other one is uh, from 1940, Howard Christie's scene at the signing of the Constitution. Yeah. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to point out, like, uh, and uh, I've done this on uh, I put it on our, our Twitter post for like the previous people we've done. I've, I've gone back and done this. X. No, I refuse. <laughs> uh, an image of like the larger portrait as a whole with a red circle, like where the person we talked about is, and then like a little zoom in on where they are. Right. Yeah. Didn't John Adams hate that painting? The the one of the because uh, he's like that guy wasn't there. That guy wasn't there. Oh the yeah. One of the, the well yeah these are like kind of like especially done like like. I mean, 1818 and 1940, quite a while after the fact. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, so, and they're stylized. Like, a lot of these people weren't all there at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there's some people missing. Yep. Like, speaking uh, of Carter Braxton, he signed the con- or signed the declaration. He's not in that painting. <laughs> they probably just forgot about him. Probably. <laughs> they're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, whatever. It's already done. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. um, so, it's not like they could go on Wikipedia and look that stuff up, I guess. Um so I'm going to show you these uh, as well, like for our subject. Okay, yeah. Um, and this is, and there's not really a corresponding painting for the Continental Association or the Articles of Confederation. So, but just the Declaration of the Constitution. So, here is in the larger portrait William Blunt at the signing mm. of the Constitution. Yeah, he's he's, he's kind of front here. there. Yeah, because here's Washington. Here's yeah, Franklin. is he is here, he behind here, somebody or is yeah, he... he's behind the guy signing actually. In the act of signing the Constitution. Oh, maybe he's next in line. Uh, maybe. Yeah, he might be standing there next in line, like, yeah. ready to sign. Well, if you gotta look, he's looking, he's kind of like eyeing George Washington kind of warily. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So. Wow, that's, I like the close-up, that's kind of neat. Yeah. So I figured, because, yeah, because, like, showing it just like this, it's like, it's not, you're not gonna be able to see their expression, but. But, yeah, go back, I, I, like I said, I've gone back through all the people we've talked about, um, who would be in those por- in those paintings? Uh, John and Samuel Adams, Abraham Baldwin, Josiah Bartlett, uh, all these. Uh, John Blair. I've gone back and put those like where they are in those portraits on the uh, episode post uh, on the Twitter page. So on the X page. No. <laughs> the X. No. Posts. No. So he he Xed it. <laughs> You know how they say tw- tweet. I hate you so much right now. Like, you tweeted it. No, it's like you nope, X'd it. Nope, 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 uh, So, uh, bonus round. Bonus round. He signed one document, the Constitution. So that's one bonus point. For a grand total of 42. Dang, that's pretty high, right? Uh, that's the only ones who are higher are John and Samuel Adams with a 47 apiece. Dang. But it's not all about the score. Yeah, because we he, was very impeach- he was very <laughs> he, uh, scandalous. Guy asked the question. What's the question? What question? William Blunt. Uh-oh. A founding father? Hmm? Or a floundering oh, father? <laughs> well, this is easy one. Floundering. Way floundering. Hear me out on this. Uh-uh. No. Not no, all the no, stuff. No, that no, he no, was no. impeached. Hear, hear he, they, they kicked him out of Congress. Hear me he out on this. He floundered, my hear friend. Hear me out on this. Because these are all, all these categories are very subjective. Ugh. This is the most subjective of all. This is the one that's most like the gut feeling. The gut feeling is and he's part, floundering. And part, <laughs> part of it to me is, would you talk about this guy? Would you tell the story? I would tell people about the founding father who committed treason. Yeah, but that doesn't make him, that doesn't make him someone you, you're like, you're proud of. To be a founding father of our country, I know, but it's just like I, it's like I'd tell people about this guy. I, I, That's like, fine because like a lot of these guys, it's just like, yeah, they were there, they showed up, they did some stuff, but they're just kind of boring. There's no, there's no oomph to their story, you know? <laughs> yeah, because they only did good things. Everybody or likes just the did, bad like, just, stuff. Just like, nah. It's like the Jerry Springer, you know? Like everybody likes that 
because it's all but, about but, bad the bad but, stuff. But can you turn away? No. <sighs> I mean, I could never turn off the Mori episode with a four hundred pound three year old. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We don't. I don't. That's. I. I don't. I can't say that this guy is a one of our founding fathers. To be who fair, I am proud of. To be fair, he committed the treason well afterwards. <laughs> he was impe- he was impeached from the he was what he they they didn't even like him back then. <laughs> I'm gonna that's I'm no he's he's a floundering he's a flounderer. Should we go to the coin? Are you serious? You're gonna go a coin yeah, on this guy on this guy? Because I would tell people about him. That's I the wanna, only I reason. I want to talk about this guy because it's just that's like, the only reason because it's. Uh, the only reason is because you want to talk about him. It has nothing to do with how, what good he did for the country or what you know. Like he, he only did all the stuff he did because he wanted more land. Yeah. He had no. He didn't want it. He didn't do it because, oh, I'm such a good guy and I want to you know help make this state a state and I want to name this you know, name this stuff and I and he actively messed with treaties for the Native Americans. Because he didn't want them to have more land. Yeah. He's a piece of crap. Uh, he's like, floundering. Guy, oh, it's just like, oh, he's so. It's he's like so, saying, it's like saying. He's such a horrible if we piece were doing of crap. A, but a, like, it's like, I can't turn away. It, yeah, but if, if, it was like saying if we were doing a president one you, and, you, and it was like the best presidents and the worst. And you were like Donald Trump because he has so many scandals and blah, blah, blah. That's he true. was impeached and blah. That's true. Yeah, that's like. Uh, so yeah, he would be one yeah. of our best because he was you're right controversial oh. yeah <laughs> i got yeah, you on that you analogy <laughs> William blunt as much as i thoroughly enjoy talking about you and your horrible horrible actions and life and just uh you're a floundering father <laughs> thank you cody <laughs> Maybe there'll be a one that's a little bit more even. Maybe. Like he did a lot of good stuff and will, a lot of bad stuff. I will say this. Once we're like done talking about all these guys, we got them in like the tournament, the end tournament to figure out who is the foundingest of fathers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we have like an odd number. Yeah. Wild cards. Yeah. Maybe we can just put this guy in. <laughs> you can't put flounderers in the tournament for foundingest fathers. You know, maybe maybe we'll let the maybe at the end <laughs> we'll let the bracket. maybe at the end we'll let the people decide the people yeah we'll we'll, we'll let the peoples the I'll, peoples what you mean like well, there's one that people can flip to a well we'll have like a point. poll of like all right you guys get one slot in this tournament who do you like out of everybody who we decide is a floundering father who do you all want. And maybe they'll vote for William Blunt. <laughs> maybe they will. Maybe, maybe they won't. They, maybe maybe they they'll won't. see it my way and be like, no, the guy's a piece of crap. You know, yeah, we could talk about him or whatever. But He's fun he, to talk about. He, that doesn't make him a good uh, part of our country. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Ah, all right. William Blunt, <laughs> you're a horrible, horrible man. He should get a sewer named after him or something. <laughs> No, they don't get they don't get anything named after. No, yeah, no, we were doing uh, that. We've been like hit or miss with it. We haven't been. Consistent. No, since he loved dirt so much, you know. Yeah, maybe he just gets a plot of dirt. <laughs> I mean, I mean, a muddy there are, like there plot is of still in Knoxville the William Blunt Mansion you can go visit. Really? Yeah. They uh, did love him, didn't they? <laughs> they did. There's several Blunt there's like a Blunt County. There's I think there's a Bluntville. Um, Bluntville. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know, I know, I know. Let's go to Bluntville. If, if, if they don't have, if they, if that town is not all about cannabis, it's they are not, missing. They're out. weird, Tennessee about it. No, yeah. Oh man, but yeah, like there's like a whole bunch of stuff named after this guy. <laughs> so they still love him down there. That doesn't make it right. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, there's still a lot of southern states that love Maybe like and... a like a like a barren worthless pile of dirt named after him that's like a sewage <laughs> yeah it's like it's like the land nobody wants it's like next to the, like the water treatment plant or something <laughs> yeah, it's just always constantly flooded with poop and pee <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah there we go there we go that that sounds about right <laughs> oh sources for this epic 
path we've been on. Gregory Oblovsky's 2021 article, The Dark History of Indigenous Dispossession that Followed the First Impeachment Acquittal. Uh, William Henry Masterson's biography of William Blunt, just called William Blunt from 1954. Terry Weeks' article, William Blunt, the Tennessee Encyclopedia of History and Culture from 2018. And Andrew Zeller's Frederick uh, article, The Impeachment of Senator William Blunt, the First in American History, from the Journal of the American Revolution from 2021. And that one, that was a very good article, too. So, I I mean, check all those out. But, and, you know, I typically do a podcast recommend. I forgot to put one on this. <laughs> So, uh, listen to Hard Ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> to Sedaris. Well, I've been Sedaris, yeah. yeah. I messed up my own podcast yep. name. Hard Ticket to Sedaris. What's what's the theme tune? What? The theme what? What do, what do you always like to sing it? Oh, Hard Ticket to Sedaris. Yeah, there you go. Go, well, go listen to that one. Yeah. yeah it's not a Rexy pod. Well, is it? It's not no, technically. No, no, it's, no, it's no, not even not, We're not comparing anything. Yeah, it's not even a history podcast. Yeah. It's... it's a, a it's kind podcast. of like a history podcast, yeah, sort of film history, sort of about a very obscure B-list filmmaker mm-hmm. whose films we are near and dear to our hearts. Yep, so go go listen to it. Yep, Andy Sedaris. Oh man, who are we even talking about next time? Yeah, who's next time? Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't even matter at this point. No, uh, <laughs> no. Look, you thought Blunt was a funny. Uh, we had a string of funny names here. We had Bland. <laughs> we had Blunt. Next time we have Simon Borum. 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 Who signed uh, Cottonelle Association from New York. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. And uh, please check out our other projects. The Drunken Pond is a YouTube show where we play board games and drink beer. Uh, My other podcast called We Effed Up explores the instances in world history where the royal we effed up. Mm Mm-hmm. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Imperfect Men Pod. I'm Cody. And I'm Steve. And this is Imperfect, Imperfect Men. Men.